Beginning the Trek, a 52-episode introduction to Star Trek. Woohoo! So, you, are you oh, ready to do the, this? To talk about alliances? Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm still thinking about the the hockey player lineup. We do. We have that link. But before we get into that and start talking episode, hi everybody. Well, hello, everyone. I'm Jessica Ray. Welcome to Beginning the Trek. Uh, if you've been following along, you probably already know this, but for those of you who might have just picked up on this, I'm a newbie to Star Trek, and every single one of these I'm watching for the first time and giving my reactions. And my co-host... I'm Andy Goldberg, and I am uh, the Trek veteran of the group here. I'm the one that chooses the episodes uh, that Jessica watches for her first time as we explore all of the series of Star Trek. So welcome. If you, uh, if you haven't been with us before, welcome to Beginning the Trek. Um, we actually recommend, if this is your first time listening with us, uh, and especially if you're not familiar with Star Trek or you want to begin from the beginning, you should go back to our episode one and start there. We've got, uh, at this point, what, like 38 other episodes that we've done before getting to this week's episode we do. And yeah. there is a reason you built this the way you built this. And it's been very good for me to see. You kind of have to start with the original series, even if it doesn't seem like it's going to be your favorite. All of these stories and even the universe is built all on top of one another. And that's the fun of it and the craziness, because I have seen the craziness now. Of- <laughs> Why things are sometimes the way they are. And in fact, this week was the week that you finally got what there is to get about the Prime Directive. Yeah, I really did. You really did. You really did. <laughs> so so, so um, we're going to ruin that revelation, guys. <laughs> right. So we're going to be spoiling. We're going to be um, going to be doing the 10-sentence synopsis this week. It's my week uh, to do that. Is there anything we need to say beforehand? Yes, there was. Hmm. We, we talked about during the episode a... a a rare clip that uh, we were able to find on YouTube, and we'll be putting the link up for that clip. So I'm not going to spoil what that clip is right now, but when you get to it, just know that clip is, in fact, on our website. We weren't sure we could find it when we first recorded the episode. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's the one. That's the one. Spoil alliances for us. Or by spoil, I mean, you know, tell us the story so that we can remember it. Okay, so alliances, here we go. Boom! Space battle underway as two Kazon Raiders fire on Voyager, forcing Janeway et al. to destroy one and losing a crewman can't remember his name in the process. Enough is enough, says Chakotay. Chakotay! We should form an alliance with one of them to stop them from kicking our butts all the time, and Janeway insists that it's not the Federation way, and we just don't want to ally with everyone we meet. But after she goes to see Tuvok, who agrees with the idea, even citing Spock's alliance with the Klingons, and, well, you just can't argue with that kind of logic, so let's set up a meeting. While Neelix goes off to speak with one group, we all head to the main Delta Quadrant bad guy, the Kazan Ogla and Maj Kala, not to mention the previously unmentioned Cardassian spy, Suska. Talks don't go well because, well, Kala is a pig and Janeway ain't into pork, so that didn't work. And (laughs) unless we can find someone with our values and ideals, Janeway says no more alliance talk. So we find someone with our values and ideals, people called the Trabe, who were harassed by the Kazon constantly, so I guess we could talk about alliances again? Yep, Janeway's talking alliances, and this Trabe guy suggests a peace summit with a show of Trabe Voyager strength to maybe stabilize the area and get the Kazon off all our backs. Neelix's Kazon contributor builds a mighty three-sided table, and the number of sides on the table is to be three. And once the three-sided table, having three sides, is ready, (laughs) the summit may begin. And yes, I used a whole sentence for that. Mm -hmm. After what has to be the most awkward introduction scene in all of history, so bad that it could only have been made worse had they added fake applause and trumpets or something, we get to the actual serious discussion. But then the trade guy tries to lead a hasty retreat before the meeting's finished. 
Then the room gets attacked, and it's clear that the Trabe were never on the same page with us after all. So we expel them, we escape from the now united Kazon sects, who all have a single goal of killing us, and Janeway gives a little lecture on the virtues and principles of the Federation, whatever they actually are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you would think from the way you talked that this was a great comedy. And I wish it was, like, at this moment. Well, that, that one scene is, to me, just yeah. hysterical. But... We all know. <laughs> Shall we talk episodes? Yes, let's talk about alliances. This is the third in my trek of Voyager. And I think I'm starting to kind of get the deal. Okay. And I actually really liked this one. I'm going to give it a four out of five grafted orchids. Oh. Thank you for that, Tuvok. Tuvok Tuvok special, unique in the galaxy, unique in the universe flower. Yes. Oh, that's a good, that's a good one. That's a good icon for this episode. Yeah. I liked the feel of it. I do. I mean, it's got a couple things that were like, eh, I don't know about that. (laughs) But for the most part, this is a, it ends really nicely. I liked the hopeful Star Trek ending sort of balanced with the really negative we're in a bad spot now (laughs) Hmm. what do you now i'm curious like i know what i think given the rating you know what i think overall what do do you think about this one (laughs) it's a great question it's a great question because my opinion of this one has changed a little bit over over your track because when i was building your track i was i obviously went through a lot of a lot of episodes and said, you know, what, what fits the story and what works. And I really liked the theme and still like the theme of this, of it's, Mm -hmm. we're new in the, in the Delta quadrant. We're still trying to make our way. We're getting beat up a lot Mm -hmm. and you know, it's time to, it's time to really test our ethics. And, And as it turns out, we do that a lot in Voyager. Um, Janeway seems to be really good when we push her, to the extremes. I really enjoyed Janeway and Mulgrew, what she did with it. It was, I thought it was very nicely done. I was passionate without getting teary-eyed like last time. <laughs> yeah. I didn't understand the tears for that situation, but I liked the passion for this one. I thought it was a great performance. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, and again, that was one of the reasons I really liked this episode. There were a couple of scenes and there were a couple of moments that played that, that just had me. The more I watched it, the less I enjoyed them. Yeah. The, and, and we'll get to it. The the whole conference room scene from the moment that the Kazons yeah. enter. Let's talk about it now because it's goofy and it's. You wanted to, no? Okay. Did you? Because I looked this up. Did you get the version that has the trumpets or no? Because this apparently was a thing. I did not get the version with the trumpets. There were trumpets originally. No, there weren't. Apparently, there was a certain amount of time that both Amazon Prime and Netflix streamed a version that nobody quite knows where it came from, uh-huh. and for a little while. When the Kazon Majes enter the room, there's like clapping. Oh my gosh. And, and trumpets. <laughs> and it's really hilarious and ridiculous. Uh-huh. And then it went away. And now when I streamed it again on Netflix, it's not there anymore. It's, which is supposedly the way it originally is. I don't have the DVDs, but if you had the original ones, th- there were no, there were no claps. Somebody at some point thought this was hilarious. Who knows? And put it on the masters that went to at least Netflix and Amazon, you said. Oh, that's 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 if I can find this, guaranteed some fan put it on YouTube. So there's gotta be a version where the Majes are getting trumpeted as they enter. What I love about that moment is thinking about what's happening up the stairs. Because they all come down the stairs one at a time, right? Mm-hmm. And these are all mortal enemies. These are the leaders of their own individual Kazon sex, and they all hate each other. And yet they are standing at the top of those stairs in a line like a bunch of hockey players waiting to be introduced before the playoffs. And I could just picture them like rocking back and forth and like all that pent up frustrated energy as they want to just mm-hmm. like get to it. But nope, they're all up there waiting in line for their turn to be announced. To be announced. And it just struck me as so <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> See, and I feel like that's realistic. 
Like, I've never been a diplomat or in any kind of way, but the the amount of time they spend even talking about the triangular table and do you like this? And we're going to have to have these people seated here. And, and of course, Neelix is all the while trying to get info out of this guy. And he's like, shh, shh. That guy was so proud of his triangular table. It was quite beautiful. That was, it really was the right table. I Props, props to that man for making that triangular idea literally props to that guy props <laughs> <laughs> and other set decorations and other set decorations to that guy but <laughs> uh, um yeah nice <laughs> the moment at the very beginning this starts out with a space battle yes it I does loved it it was a good space battle and they're getting their butts kicked which i kind of loved too because it gives you that sense of the the desperation that they're feeling. I had said before in the last episode that Voyager is going to be really good when it has to figure out puzzles. Mm -hmm. And Janeway, I think in particular, this was a political puzzle that they get to figure out. It was. So I I enjoyed that. Yeah. It mixed with a, with a bit of an ethical quandary, um, Mm -hmm. obviously, because I'm sure we're going to have, I don't know, prime directive conversations here shortly as we try and figure out what the heck we're allowed to do and not allowed to do. Sure. Well, even Janeway kind of goes back and forth mm-hmm. with Chakotay telling her, hey, you need to think more like the Maquis, and Tuvok being like, maybe you should try that. Mm-hmm. This is clearly a, the episode to watch, and I still think this was absolutely perfect for your track. But I started to see Janeway make these mistakes, and suddenly this was this was the result, and it kind of was her fault, and I almost blamed her for it. But then I looked at how she got there. It was such an interesting slippery slope and really slow. Let's see. I wrote a couple of things down here. She finds a little slippery slope, and before she knows it, she's in league with the devil. She first tries the Kazon, but she just gets tired of their sexist crap. And then she finds a guy who talked a good good game and comes up with Mm -hmm. the idea for the convoy, which I thought was a really clever idea to create this convoy for us and the Trabe and get the heck out of Kazon territory. Mm -hmm. And then they, we could drop them off whenever they find a planet they want to settle on and we'll keep heading toward earth. It reminded me very much of Battlestar Galactica with the convoy headed to earth. Mm -hmm. But then the whole idea of the peace thing, that guy hit Janeway right where she lives. Yep. We seem to be single-minded. We're of the same values. He mentions peace, and that's the step she took too far. Is it, though? Because she even says, this is how the Federation and how we are going to do this. We're going to take this at its best Mm -hmm. face forward. I'm not going to assume everyone is deceitful. Mm -hmm. Because she kind of says that, which means that she has considered that maybe... They are deceitful, but she's not going to assume that. She's not going to take on what they do, yeah. which is exactly when they get to the Majas, the Majas call her out. Like, of course, everything in everything in this quadrant is deceitful. That's the tone yeah, that they said. She says at the end, this is a region of space that has very few rules. Um, they're, they're disorganized. They're still, you know, there, there isn't, there doesn't appear to be a federation right here. These Kazons seem to be the most in charge in this area of space. The feeling I got from this, which I had gotten little bits of in in the previous episodes, that the writers are trying to get across is this is the Wild West, and we are a band of cowboys that got dropped into the middle of, I don't know, old town somewhere. Right, yeah. And we're skipping from town to town, and all the while there is a posse of bandits who are loosely associated with each other that we come across every once in a while. That's the feeling that I got from this, which is very cool. And I can see how it would work. These cowboys that we're trying to get home, which is Voyager, Mm -hmm. is more interesting in that way. You have the long-running stories of the internal conflict of that getting thrown together. We're all trying to get home and then skipping from town to town, learning interesting lessons along the way. Mm -hmm. I can totally see it working. That's... That's Voyager, right? Like, it, that's the feel. Yeah, I mean, there's th- there are several 
through storylines. There are characters that go through character arcs of their own. But overall, yeah, we're, we're on a journey here. So the people that are coming with us are the ones that we're going to see week to week to week. Mm-hmm. And the ones that we meet along the way, we're going to leave most of all that behind, you know. Apparently, except for the Kazon? Well, we're still we're still pretty close to where we were. We're still getting the hell away. We should, yeah. Like, why aren't we leaving? We are. That seems to be her whole goal. And how far does the Kazon? They couldn't find water, for goodness' sake. The last time I saw these Mad Max guys, um, but I haven't seen any of the stories along the way. Yeah, because they seem like a completely different thing than when we first met them on Caretaker. Yeah, and and I think I mentioned it when we talked about Caretaker that the whole water thing. I think they probably realized that may be too much of a of a goal for you know it's hard to be upset with anybody that's just looking for water. Um, you know you can't blame them for being jerks about wanting to hold on to resources. Right. Well, in a very interesting way, can you blame them for being jerks about being essentially enslaved? They didn't use that word, I don't think, throughout the episode. But no. <laughs> This one was what really got me. And Chakotay says something that I wrote down because I was like, I cannot believe that he, that they used him and and especially his character to say this. It's kind of messed up. He literally says, it seems to me that they've learned their lesson. He's talking about the Trabe. Mavis and his people have freely acknowledged that they were responsible for what happened to them. Yeah. Well, as long as they've acknowledged it, then why would the Kazon be upset? And it harkens back, of course, to our own history. Yeah. When does an oppressed society or group of people get to say, all right, we're not oppressed anymore? And I don't think anybody can answer that. It's it's almost like it's a different answer for everyone, for every person. And, Mm -hmm. And that's part of, obviously, what we learn about the trade through this is, you know, they still feel slighted too. They, well, yeah, now they're being oppressed. So as they it have... turns out, the Kazan were completely right about them. Yep. They did hold that grudge and they did it. I mean, bad plan, stupid plan to make an alliance with somebody who, without even talking to them about it, basically their plan was contingent upon us not seeing what they were doing and stopping them. I don't know. I don't know what else Janeway would have done. Of course she's going to go in and look for peace. And if she even says, we're going to take this at face value, we're going to believe the best about the trade. Um, yeah. She already tried believing the best about the Kazon. And Let me get back to why I felt that it was the peace talks, the peace negotiation, the let's all sit down where she made, where I felt that she went one step too far. That was the big mistake. That was the mistake. And, and it was because of the action that she took was to try and alter everything that was going on in this region of space, alter the leadership, alter the way that business gets done, all of it. I could almost forgive her for saying, see those people, they're trying to get the hell away. So are we, we're just going to hang out together and go. But when she said, but before we do, and she, I, I know it was his idea, but she went along with it, you know, helped help create this whole thing. When she said, let's see if we can make a difference here. Let's put all of our cards on the table. Let's see, let's try. Mm-hmm. Was she, was that the violation? Where was the violation of Federation standards and ethics? Was that it? Was that the violation of the prime directive? Oh, you, now you've said the words. I, before we get into that one, though, I do want to mention that both yeah. everybody she takes advice from on her crew, which is essentially Chakotay and Tuvok, yes. they both say the same thing. And they both give really explicit, concrete examples of why it would be good and how the Federation does it anyway. Yes. So if we're going to go and get on our high horse about the prime directive, I'm going to say that at this point, those two words have lost all meaning. (laughs) They have no meaning anymore. The principles are completely imaginary and 100% subjective because you can point to every single thing that every captain does and say, oh, that's a violation of the prime directive. And then somebody else is there to be like, is it really because, and they can point to something else. So when she says, well, the Federation doesn't do deals with warlike 
societies, I'm going to have to point to every single warlike society that we've done deals with. And of course we have. Let's talk about the conversation with Tuvok and how he brought up the Klingons who were essentially in his, in his view, a criminal organization Mm -hmm. and that we did a deal with them too. So we certainly do. So what is going on there with Janeway? Is there an ethical, is she trying to discover her ethics? Maybe this was, this was the part of the episode. Cause you asked, what did I think of it? And I got to this part and it was right. like, I can't tell what Janeway's up to. I couldn't tell what she was up to in caretaker. I totally understand some of the Vidian stuff, even though you didn't get that. Oh, because of yeah. that. I got that, <laughs> yes. but you didn't. Right. And now here I am again saying, I don't know. And here this one, I feel like I got. Well, without spoiling next week, um, we have a new alliance that we will be dealing with. I can't wait to talk about that one. The same kinds of topics are going to get tested from different angles. And what will she do now? Uh, and what will be the result? This is a constant testing of Captain Catherine Janeway's morals and ethics, giving her the challenges that, that, you know, putting challenges in front of her and seeing how she does with each of them. That's so much a Voyager. It, I can feel that even just in these last little ones that we've watched. I can feel that. And they get bigger and epic-er, epic-er. I can actually look because my first watch, I kind of ended with the same thing. Like, wait a minute, what is Janeway standing up for in this that she gets completely convinced to not stand up for, that she then has the whole, at the very end, I should have stood up for this and now we're going to, no questions about it. And she does does say why she won't do a deal with them and she does end up doing it with Trabe or why she's so against it in the first place when she's talking to that at, at the funeral when she's talking to him and somebody should have pointed out to that poor guy that you don't give tech to your enemies because they will use it against you. When she says, I would rather have this entire ship blow up than give them our technology. She's completely right. But to put it logically, there's a reason why that philosophy is the way it is. Mm -hmm. And it also makes logical sense because yeah, don't hand your enemy a gun. That's stupid. Or even like that didn't have to come from Janeway. That could have come from Belana when she, Brace him because Jane was the captain. Listen to her. Yeah, you could have said, "Think about it. Just think about. Just think what about you- what you want me to do here." Yeah. However, if that conversation happens, then we don't have um, the spy. The beginning of a storyline that you can start to see there where he is. Oh, okay. I wondered because he doesn't come up again in this entire episode. No, this is the, this is an, an ongoing storyline. This the, the character that you're talking about was in about six episodes. Oh, he was the one that was super familiar face. And I was like, where do I know this guy from? Yes, played by Raphael Smart. We looked him up. And turns out he, I know him from everything. Literally every movie, <laughs> every TV show you've seen. 160 yeah. some episodes of television and movies and yeah, he's been in he's been in all of it, including six six episodes of Star Trek Voyager where he gets to play uh, an engineer and a spy. Apparently so. he yeah, really believes that Kazon, given giving stuff to the Kazon is a good idea. So I went through a really interesting arc with this episode to, to finally answer your how, question. How do you feel? How I feel about this episode. I started out really liking it and saying, yeah, this belongs on the track. And as I watched it more, I thought, this is more of a, what the heck did you do, Janeway? And that had me almost question whether or not it should be on the track. But as I watched it in preparing for mm-hmm. this week and really got into it, I really enjoyed how we do have to like examine her ethics and because so much of Voyager is about how she deals with situations that come up that no other captain has ever had to deal with. And she's got no help. Yeah. She's, you know, yeah, she, and she blows it sometimes. She makes the wrong call. Occasionally. The funny thing is, is when I think she blows it, other people don't think she blows it. And when I'm like, no, that was the right call. Other people are, which is exactly what's happening on the ship too. How about that? A bunch of them are saying, oh, she, she, she blew it. And a bunch of them on the other half are just like, no, this was totally right. Her ending conclusion reminded me very much of, of course, I'm going to say this, Firefly. Mm-hmm. When the doctor is talking to Kaylee 
And she's just like, you know, out here in the back end of nowhere, nobody cares that you're polite. And he responds to her and he's just like, no, it makes all the more sense to be even more polite. I have to protect that. I have to be polite. I have to mm. be kind. Yeah. And I, I got the same feel. And I think that that's why in the end, I liked this so much is because it's not necessary. You can take it as she's getting on her high horse to um, look, I tried it your way and it didn't work. So F you. But I don't think she's actually saying that. What I think she's saying is it is more important than ever that we be honest in our diplomacy. It is more important than ever that we believe the best about the people that we're running into. And it's going to screw us up, but I refuse to come from another way. I refuse to become as deceitful as these guys. I refuse to do that. And I found that absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Where the rest of it is frustrating when you get into the particulars about talking about the prime directive, but the philosophy of where she's coming from is beautiful, mm -hmm. I think. <laughs> so that's why in the end, I really liked it. It, it gives Janeway the absolute moral high ground for the show. So we get to, we get to feel that we're on the right track or at least that we're exploring what it means to be on the right track. We're finding the right track. Mm -hmm. I have to, I have to be careful not to taint myself because I know well, what I happens, know, what happens. <laughs> okay. I had something that I extremely enjoyed, yeah. but I had to go look it up because when Neelix goes to find a, partner in some random strip club because you know where else do you go in star trek to get backstabbed except for a strip club yeah uh i really really loved that the dancer told this poor idiot yes to turn a now a dodecahedron into an icosahedron oh you actually wrote that down okay i wrote them down because i was like it's it's a total joke for math people like people which i'm not but i had mm -hmm. to look it up which is of course these things it's a 12-sided die and a 20-sided die you are never going to move two sticks on a flat surface and turn a 12-sided die to a 20 which means that this dancer is totally messing with this guy and he's never going to get laid and that made me so freaking happy now i don't know what neelix was planning on doing when he's going to tell him the answer you know what mm. a nerd would have known Ooh. Maybe she's into nerds. No, maybe she's into giving idiots puzzles so that they get away from her. That works. It made me happy. It redeemed me. It certainly me. worked. He wasn't paying any attention to her anymore. He was mm -hmm. hard at work trying to turn a, a damaged die into a hit die. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it redeemed the fact that, for me, that joke at least can be put out there. The, really, we're going to have this in a strip club? All right, sure. Across the entire <laughs> freaking galaxy, there's nowhere else that we can turn up except a strip club. Well, as I think about it, there'll be another one in this track. Damn it. I would I would really love... It's a weird one, though. It's not really a strip club, but it's a weird... It's a, it's a dance club. Okay. I would really... I don't mind weird. I wish we had more of that. Like, if the dancer had actually been, like, uh, had, like, 14 arms... Which, of course, she's not because that would cost money. But I think that that would be funny. There will be a, there will be a dance club scene in Enterprise that we'll be watching in the, right. in the not pilot that will have an amusing thing that you'll be like, what was that? And it's fun. Like the opera singer? Like just that's just good fun to me. Yeah, I think not quite, not if you're gonna like do sci-fi, like... at least you can do you can make up any alien you want to. Yeah. Go have fun. Don't like <laughs> randoms. It's I'm uh, yes, I'm very uninspired by this. <laughs> I gotcha. So, well, we'll see what we can do to spice up your strip clubs in in, in Star Trek future. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> okay, let's let's talk about the meat of the of the attack. The second. Oh, yeah, attack. the one I was actually going to skip. <laughs> <laughs> Because I liked the first battle. It was very, set everything up, very exciting. And then the second one was, Nothing, again, yeah. uninspired. <laughs> well, I mean, so I loved the opening where, they, where the guy talked about his triangle table. I thought that was a great start to this scene. Sure. And, there was, and then from there, we had the introductions. And then we had the inevitable blah, blah, blah. And then... I liked that blah, 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 just to be fair. Because the Kazon actually made a really good point. And then, of course, they ended up being right. Um, and if they hadn't been, you know, misogynistic buttheads. Mm -hmm. Like they are. Like they have to be. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, if he hadn't been a jerk from the very beginning with that with that first meeting with Janeway. At least Seska calls him out on that. Yeah. And and he slaps her down. You want to talk about sexism in Star Trek now? I really don't want to, no. I think we can all see what's happening there. I, I would hope that anybody looking at that can see, hmm, not okay. But notice now that Star Trek is presenting the sexist... As bad guys. As clearly the bad guy. We have come full circle on, you know, the way that life was back in the 60s and even with some of the early next-gen stuff. We were talking about the actual battle, though. We were talking about the battle. Let's get back to that real <laughs> Sorry, yes. So, so, yeah, so, so here we are. We know that, that somebody has, what, sketched drawings of the meeting room, which I guess would be right. like a triangle table inside of a room. Right. With a window. It's good they got that sketch artist on that. With a window. With a with a window. I love that nobody knows how to take pictures in the future. <laughs> just like, there's no such thing as video recording. <laughs> right. There's no such thing as like, I'm just going to put a tracker in the room. I didn't even think of that. There's no such thing as like bombs. Exactly. I mean, what a, what a, it's, yeah. This was our idea was to have a ship fly and, and have it be far enough away that went and, and strong enough that when it's flying, it takes like a good six or seven seconds to get there after all the cups start vibrating on the table. It's good that they announced their arrival though. They did a, <laughs> almost like honking a horn. Shall we talk some track? I did. I had mentioned that we, because we were going to talk about how woke or not woke DS9 is. Yes, you wanted to talk a little DS9 track. So I, I know we're going all the way back. However, since this is all Trek anyway, I have been watching. All the way back to last month. <laughs> well, I got sick, so I had a full day where I got to go through like an entire season of DS9 because that's that's the story I'm involved with now, which means I'm lagging behind on some of the Voyager stuff. And I probably won't be watching all of the extra recommended stuff because I'm stuck in DS9. I finally figured out something that had been bothering me. And I had even mentioned it on our in the tr Troubles and Tribulations. Trials and Tribulations. In the Trials and Tribulations episode, we had talked about, like, is Jadzia just open? Really to anything and we get that called out a lot or is it exploitive and are they just using that as a way to get to put sex on the screen because that sells and i got to the point where i'm just like no it's not exploitive it's actually really woke i think that jadzia dax is the first pansexual person on a tv show I could be very wrong because i haven't seen a lot of tv obviously i've never even seen star trek before this uh -huh. but when I finally applied that, like, as a label, which I get, people don't like labels, but it helps me to be, that that's a part of the character. It's not being exploited by the writers. It's actually just representing. And in doing this, I have to say pansexual is a romantic or emotional attraction towards people regardless of their sex or gender identity. She's exactly what we've been calling her all this entire time. She's just super open to... She's, yeah, it seems species identity doesn't seem to matter that much to her either. Yeah, so she really is this... And I, I like it. It's a representation of that, and I don't think DS9 used it much. They definitely used her as an attractive woman, especially early on, to, mm -hmm. to push that as, as an agenda. Oh, she's sexy. Look at her. She's sexy. But late, much later on, she just, that's a part of her identity, and it's nicely done. It's not quite, yeah. When I finally got to that in my head, mm -hmm. uh, it was, I, I can watch it now without feeling like, should I be angry at this? Like, I don't know. I don't want to be. It's Jadzia. I like it. Yeah. But are they just using it? Are they? Well, and we've already talked about that Worf is eventually going to have a relationship with her. Sure. And in that relationship, there's going to be a lot of exploration about her past relationships because, you know, he's a traditional guy and she's definitely not, not a traditional <laughs> gal. So, um, yeah, later on, and I'm assuming that you aren't that far in yet. I don't know how where you started binging and where you are. I started but, it. I started with season three. Okay, so. so you're going through that and working right. your way into the Dominion, and yep. yeah, which is yeah, that makes sense. So, so you've got a couple more seasons, really, even before I do. you yes. get to Worf. Um, you'll get to see her explore some relationship stuff. You'll get to see her explore. I mean, there's 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 a lot of character moments coming up, and, and I think part of this is it's hard to see 
everything in Star Trek from 52 episodes. Sure. So you've got more to watch. <laughs> and to, yeah, and to finish this off, I would say Star Trek could completely be 100% woke if they had the same exact pansexual thing going on with a male. Mm. Because in a female, you still get that vibe. They could, they could do it. And it would be very interesting to see. I, I'll bet they could do it today. I'll bet they could easily make a, a character mm -hmm. like that. I don't know if they could make it easily. I don't think you can do anything easily when you're making Star Trek. You can't do anything easily. And everybody's got an opinion about it. You're going to piss off it's, half the people at least. I, I have no idea how these people are brave enough to be willing to say we're willing to make more Star Trek knowing how much we all love it and need it to be our very own. Yeah, it's that's a, a daunting task, to be sure. Yeah. To be sure. And to be fit, like, yeah, I'm sitting here critiquing what these writers, actors, all of these jobs that people did, uh, both for money and for passion. It's an unfair thing to do, but I hope that... It's also an appreciation because you put something out into the world that was awesome enough for me to be like, I'm going to break this down. <laughs> and that's, 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 you're right. That's just, that's the bravest. Go make stuff. I, I love how much you're, you're enjoying your Deep Space Nine journey that you've continued on with that. Because I'll be real honest with you. That was the one that I was like, I don't know mm -hmm. if she's going to like this at all. And here you are like, like putting a lot of effort into it. So really cool. It's totally binge-worthy in a way that, like, original series and next-gen, and I think even Voyager isn't going to quite get... Maybe, because you've talked about it being epic, but especially next-gen and original series are... You can watch an episode and turn it off. DS9, it's hard to do that. It's, well, wait, so, wait till it, next got, week and tell yeah, me totally if you can turn Voyager off. off. You're going to have a real quandary, because you weren't feeling like this until we got to the search. That's true. I really wasn't. <laughs> And even going back, I know there are fans we're, of the... We are approaching yeah. our version of the Jem'Hadar slash The Search. That's cool. coming up starting next week. So, yeah, we get there a lot faster in Voyager um, on your trek. Anyway, so um, we'll see. We'll see how much we tear you away from, from DS9 as Voyager really starts to ramp up. Ooh, I'm... I'm happy to have ever more Star Trek to watch. Oh yeah, <laughs> there's such so much. Such difficult problems, but you you've you've clearly you've clearly given up on any uh, ever actually understanding what to do with the Prime Directive. So you're I one of us done. now. You're you're a Trekkie <laughs> now. So yeah, <laughs> that's fine. When you give up on the Prime Directive, that's when you know you're like, all right, we've moved on. It doesn't. It's meaningless. Well, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the third season okay. of Voyager. Uh, but before we do that, actually, I wanted to bring this up. Out of curiosity, because right after Alliances, which was the episode we watched for this week, mm -hmm. did you, by any chance, allow your streaming service to continue on to the next episode? I did not. It's an episode called Threshold, and I do not recommend it in any way. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm glad yeah. I didn't let it keep going. But it was... It, it accidentally did go on mine, and I had sort of forgotten about it. And it starts out really cool, where 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 Paris is test piloting a shuttle to try and break the warp ten barrier, and Ooh. of course it, it it blows up, and it turns out he's in a simulation. But like that's what this is all about. Sometimes the worst episode of a series is so bad that it's good. Are we talking about like Spock's brain? Like Spock's brain. Okay. Sometimes it's just bad. By the end of this episode, Tom Paris has turned into this lizard, slimy slug. What? Has had sex with another lizard, slimy slug, and has had babies. Okay. That so sounds allow me like to, a violation to my eyes. Yeah, I was just curious if anyone else had accidentally let that run. If you let alliances run past, this is what you get. Do not <laughs> if, now I want to watch it. No, don't. It's but I although, said I wanted more weird, and this sounds very weird. It's it's it's. What, does going into a simulation about warp ten turn him into a lizard? No, it's it's oh, far, something else. It, okay, yeah, something else happens in the episode, and it's just bizarre and doesn't make any sense. I like the premise of that though, because at least they're trying, and even with the the stuff they've done with Belana, 
in engineering, they're trying to beef up the ship and they're trying to come up with all these creative ways to get out faster and stronger. And yeah, it's, it's a fun puzzle that they're having to solve. Yeah. And so let me tell you about a few other puzzles that they're going to come into in the third season, because we are going to, at this moment, I am going to open up the entire first, second, and third season to you. You can watch any episode you want, but the last episode of the third season is part of our next week. So you might want to save that one. So let me tell you about a few of the good ones. Um, The second episode of the third season is called Flashback, and it guest stars George Takei, who comes back as Captain Sulu, in a flashback um, of Tuvok, in which Tuvok was serving aboard his ship during the Undiscovered Country stuff. So remember that Sulu had his own ship and came in. Mm -hmm. Tuvok was on that ship. Um, but it's, it's kind of a cool episode because Janeway goes inside of his flashback through a mind meld and gets to interact with George Takei. So that's awesome. Yeah. So that's the second episode. The third episode, which I like very much is called the shoot C H U T E the shoot. Okay. In this episode, Tom Paris and Harry Kim uh, are imprisoned in this really brutal alien jail Mm-hmm. that you basically slide down this chute into this brutal area and there's no exit. And okay. that's where it all starts. And figure out how you're going to escape or survive in this totally brutal prison. Um, for Kess fans, or maybe for Jennifer Lean fans, and I looked it up, it is pronounced lean. Like okay, that makes sense. You lean on a wall. So for, for Jennifer Lean fans... The 10th episode is called Warlord. The 10th episode of the third third season is called Warlord. And um, for those of you that are looking, that consider her to be one of the sexier stars of this show, um, this is your episode. She gets taken over by a thing and... They use that to just make her sexy? They use that to make her, yeah. Okay. She gets pretty powerful. She's a, she becomes a warlord. So there you go. I hope she kicks butt. Yeah. I I had to mention that episode because quite frankly, I had several people that were like, Hey, if you don't mention that episode and they're, they're (laughs) friends. So I'm bringing it up. Okay. The the 11th episode of the third season is the next Q episode. It's called the Q and the gray. Is this the one with the bubble bath? Yes, it is. All right. This is the bubble bath. You've talked about this like four times. (laughs) Yes, it is. So in this episode, and remember, John Delancey, who plays Q, and Mm -hmm. Kate Mulgrew were good friends uh, long before Star Trek happened. And um, as a result of the Right to Die episode that happened in the last season, Mm -hmm. Some things happen that make Q want to procreate, and he decides that the the mother of his progeny should be Catherine Janeway. Uh, I think she should convince him to just put him, put the ship where this is. Q showing up is brilliant. Hmm. How is she going to convince him to fix everything? Because obviously she doesn't. We're only in the third season. The name of the episode is The Q and the Gray. Um, and uh, that's some episodes for, uh, that are in the third season. I got one more okay. that I'm going to mention. And this is the one of all of them that if we're going to watch it, I would recommend that you watch it because it's got some backstory for what's coming next. Okay. And that is the 17th episode of the third season. It's called Unity. Okay. Okay, so of all the recommendeds, this is the, 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 the biggest one. In this, and I'm going to give you a couple of spoilers about it because it's important that you know going into the next episode. In this episode, we discover a community of disconnected Borg that includes a human and a Romulan who were both captured at Wolf 359. Interesting. They've yes. been very far from home for a very long time. Wait, how yes. long has it been? Yeah, a really long time. Oh, quite a while. Quite a while. And obviously the, the Borg are capable of traveling at much faster speeds because they're all the way sure. over here in the, in the Delta Quadrant. Uh, but during that episode, Chakotay finds that they're disconnected from the hive, but that they're still connected to each other. And he becomes connected to them at one point during the episode. So he actually links to this community's collective. I hope it's consensual. 
not like what they did with Picard. Well, this is the episode to watch, and uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. But that's something that happened to Chakotay, and that will be an important component for next week. And that's the third season, which you can watch any of, except for the one that you absolutely must watch, which is the last episode of the third season, which we'll get to next. All right, next week. You are very excited to have me watch this what's coming up next. Yes. Calling it, you're calling it the search for Voyager. Everybody is excited to have you watch this episode of every, every Voyager fan that knows what's coming up. Um, so I already talked to you a little bit about Unity and I spoiled uh, Chakotay was in the hive sure. mind at one mm-hmm. point or at least connected to it. So he's got that. He at least knows how to listen and talk through that thing. They, they shut him off at the okay. end. So he wasn't, he, he didn't leave connected to them, but he's had that experience now and he's kind of set up to be able to do that should the need arise. I bet the need is going to arise. You never know. Never know. <laughs> we'll see what happens, but it's a good episode. It's a, it's a, it's a really good episode, Unity was. But we're not talking about Unity. We are talking about next week. So do you remember the best of both worlds and then family? Yes. Do you remember the Jem'Hadar and the Search? Uh-huh. Well, we have another three-part, two-episode turning point. Okay. But this time, both episodes will be required. The first one is a two-parter, followed by the second one. Gotcha. That we'll watch over the next two weeks. So we're going to watch the last episode okay. of the third season. Followed by the first episode of the fourth season. Now, that's a two-part episode called Scorpion, parts one and two. So that's this week's episode for you. And then the week after that is going to continue that story. The week after that, we'll be watching the second episode of the fourth season, which is called The Gift. So I'm spoiling that right now. We're going to go right into that. So don't watch that right after this. Save that one. You can watch. This is not going to be Tom Paris turning into a lizard person. It will not be. And and, and you do not want to spoil what's going to happen after Scorpion by watching The Gift until after we've talked about it. Okay. I mean, you do. You do want to do that, but you don't want to do that. So Scorpion. And Scorpion features, gosh, who does Scorpion feature? Janeway for sure. Chakotay for sure. It's a big ensemble piece. Everybody gets involved. Okay. And the only other thing, and you, you should probably have this figured out by now, is we have been progressing towards Borg space for a while. We're leaving the Kazon behind. We have left the Kazon behind. Yay. We have left the Vidians behind. Yay. We have left several other adventures and puzzles and interesting stories behind, many of which you should go back and watch sometime. Of course. But now, as you will see at the very opening scene, we have arrived at Borg space. Okay. And that's all I'm going to tell you about Scorpion. So... Do you want to predict or do you want to say when you're going to watch first while you think about it? I will say when I'm going to watch, which is this coming Sunday, which is July 1st of 2018. So if you are Twitterly inclined, then follow me (laughs) at Begin the Trek. That one's going to be a long one. Sorry, not sorry for blowing up your feed. And (laughs) oh, and that's at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. There you go. July 1st. After that. Uh, if you click on our Facebook, there's a tab there at beginning the trek, or I also do put it up when the, uh, when we actually post the episode, it's in a sidebar, uh, on beginning the So my prediction for Scorpion, I think is actually a reference to the allegory of the, what is it? The, if somebody takes a ride on a snake and this, no. The, the snake gets a ride on a tortoise and the tortoise is like, no, you're going to hurt me. And the snake says, no, I won't hurt you. And then, of course, the snake gets across and then kills the turtle. And the turtle's like, why'd you do that? Or no, halfway across, the turtle's like, why'd you do that? And then yeah, I think it's that whole thing. If you don't know the story, look at it. Uh, I should stop <laughs> telling this whole another story. But I think that that's going to basically be the plot. So they're going to encounter the Borg and they're going to be like, hey, Let's help each other out. And then halfway through, the Borg are going to be like, bite. And then Janeway's going to be like, why would you do that? And it's like, well, we're the Borg. Duh. Why wouldn't we? We're we're bad guys. So I think that that is, I want to see how close I am. I'm kind of excited. I want to see you see how close you are. (laughs) I'm kind of excited too. Yeah. 
Did I say that right? Yeah. I want to see you see how close you are because I know how close you are. Um, and the people that have already seen it know how close you are. We'll find out next week. uh, Yeah. Yeah. If that snake were a scorpion, that would, that would be a pretty interesting story. Wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. Very interesting story. Very much. (laughs) Hmm. Well, we'll see, we'll see how much that, that plays into the next the next episode and, and i will also tell you you already guessed this so i will also tell you we will be uh getting a new series regular beginning in the fourth season that means that kes has died off or gone away oh, or... are you do you know anything about what comes in the future oh i mean yeah kes basically gets replaced by uh What's uh, the the Borg chick? I wasn't sure that you knew that Jennifer Lean leaves the show. Yeah, and I don't know where where when I learned that, but it was something because I was like, oh, I haven't seen the lady. Kind of like Worf shows up on all of the images. Uh, of right. course, um, you, you can't not you can't see not it. see her, and I'm like, she's definitely going to show up. And you know who doesn't show up in all of these? Kes. So yeah, right. Well, so Kes will leave the show at the, and she makes a couple of guest appearances later on, uh, which is really interesting. But but yeah, she she her time is almost done. Her story is almost concluded on on Voyager, and we will pick up seven of nine. That's seven of nine. Yes. There you go. We'll pick up seven of nine. So you guessed it. She's a Borg. Sort of. She's not super Borgy. She's just like one eye Borgy. We shall see. Okay. Was that anything more? I think that I think that the next thing for you to do is go out and watch, um, I don't know, the whole fourth season of Deep Space Nine, all those episodes I recommended sure. for Voyager, and then get to get to Scorpion. Just just leave it playing the entire week. Don't forget about Spock's brain. You got to watch that. that one. Because don't, <laughs> don't watch Threshold. It's. I have to now. It's just, <laughs> and it lulls you in by being cool at the beginning, and that's not cool. <laughs> Have fun with Scorpion. Have a ball. All right. Enjoy it. We'll see you next week. We're going to turn Voyager on its head. It's time to get epic. Ooh. All right. It is time to get, because this is an epic, here come the epic. Okay. Here come the epic. Here come the epic. <laughs> I don't know what that was. And they get bigger and epic-er. 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 More epic? Um, more, more. Oh, damn it. Yeah, it's more <laughs> no, epic. I like that. <laughs> more epic-er. More epic-er. More epic-er than before. Yeah.